My name is Tom Chick, and you are listening to the Quarter to Three Games podcast for April, I think it's like 18th, 19th, something like that, in that neighborhood. Uh, as I said, I'm Tom Chick, and my game of the week is not Super Smash Brothers Brawl. Oh, I'm Jason McMaster, and my game of the week is not World of Tanks. Oh, come on. Just try it. Just please consider making that your game of the week. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to play it first. I, I keep, like, starting the download, getting partially through it, then something happens, and I... Well, you know, uh, McMaster, as they say, every great MMO begins with a single download. That's true. I think Confucius said that. Uh, I, I think so, too. <laughs> uh, before we start this week, uh, I think, McMaster, we should open with um, a couple of uh, existential knock-knock jokes. All right. So I'll start one. This is our little comedy bit. It's uh, except without the comedy because it's existential. So you'll see what we got. Here's here's existential knock knock joke number one that we have constructed for you. Okay, knock knock. Who's there? Tom. Tom who? Tom Chick. What are you doing, man? Oh, not much. What are you up to? Well, I was down in the street. I had to get my tires rotated at that. You know that just tires down there. Uh, oh, yeah. By the stoplight, and so I was just going to come by and uh, see what. Hey, where'd you get this gold uh, Wii Wii mote? Oh, oh, that thing. Oh, that no, I spray painted a regular one. Wow, that's cool. Did it did it mess up how the buttons work or anything? It works just uh, as fine. No, no, yeah, it works just as fine. You just have to mask it correctly. Oh, very cool. Hey, what's it? What's your cat's name? Uh, well, this one's Floyd. Hey, Floyd. That's a cool name for a cat. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool cat. All right, there you go. Knock, knock, joke. Existential knock, knock, joke number one. Uh, yes. That's one that we like to call Floyd the Cat. Yes. Uh, now here's existential knock, knock, joke number two. McMaster, you start this one. All right. Knock, knock. Who's there? It's Jason. Oh, hey, man. Uh, hey, come on in. Good. Hey. Don't mind that mess. I was just doing laundry. I'm folding pants here. Can you fold those towels? Yeah, sure. No problem. No problem. How big do you want them? Uh, do it in thirds and then in a half, like this. Uh, see, like that. No, no. Do this. There you go. Like three ways and then fold it right, like that. All right. Yeah. Sure. I got it. Yeah. So uh, I was going to watch Game of Thrones. Did you see this week's episode yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the new one's uh, Sunday, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, <laughs> I didn't. Don't tell me what happens. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. All right. And that's existential knock knock joke number two. We call that one. Game of Thrones was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right, a good you, bit. You're free to use those those jokes that we've written, but please credit us. And uh, right. yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really like the credit at the end of the joke. Right. Yeah, we worked long and hard on those. That's our intellectual property. Uh, yeah. Don't don't steal it. Don't be a filthy joke pirate. God. <laughs> uh, so McMaster, I know. Uh, I like how you picked up on the Wiimote bit. And didn't at least, and didn't seem, because normally if someone were to throw a Wiimote bit at me, I would be like, what? I, don't, I never have my, my Nintendo Wii out. Uh, you and I have been getting a lot of use out of our Nintendo Wiis lately yes. uh, for some odd reason, and why don't you explain what's going on with that? Well, unfortunately, um, the uh, developer Monolith Soft chose to develop a Wii game uh, called Xenoblade Chronicles, and... Uh, 
It made itself, uh, made its way to the United States after quite a bit of time, and it's uh, extremely addicting. Um, but unfortunately, now, now, why do you open with unfortunately? Because it's on the Wii. Oh, you're like thinking how much, like, oh, it could yeah. have been added if this had been on a next gen platform. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. I'm with you there. Yeah. And it's like, I, I hate, like, yeah, I like the, you know, advanced controller, uh, but I really don't like having to plug it into a Wiimote. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like playing, yeah. normally when I play with a controller, it's either wireless or it's plugged in, and I, and I just deal with the cord, and that's cool. But it, doing this way with the classic controller, it sort of has, like, a big clunky tail on the controller. Yeah. I try to, like, put it somewhere that I know it's going to get good reception. They're like, you know, it pretty much does anyway, I've noticed, uh, no matter where you put it. And, like, but if I, I move, I always end up, like, pulling this stupid thing off the couch, like, arm or off the table or something. Or my cats will run by and, like, Floyd, the cat referenced earlier, likes, he's big and he likes to run next to the table where I'm playing and he'll, like, get it, the cable wrapped around his neck and yank the controller off the table and out of my hands and yeah, it's this weird compromise between wireless and wired i mean when you have yeah. to, when you really have to dangle a, a big old wiimote at the end of your controller are you really wireless and i i would submit no no yeah it's and uh you know but you, you put up with it because it really is a good game yes like so tell us where you are so uh you know what let's go ahead actually like roughly it, should we light a spoiler lamp, McMaster? Yeah, probably, because there's been a bunch of, you know, I mean, after you get through the first part of the game, a whole bunch of different stuff happens. So before we, so I'll I'll have a little phantom voice come in here and tell you where to fast forward to where the spoilers stop. But before we start, McMaster, like roughly how many hours would you say you're into the game? Like give us give us a rough approximation for people who are playing without spoiling something. Uh, as Sorry. to like. About 30 hours? Okay, so if you haven't logged 30 hours with Xenoblade Chronicles, we're just warning you, we might spoil stuff from the first 30 hours. It is a, a game that takes at least 100, more like 120 hours to reach the end. Uh, so that's if that's, if that's, if you're, you're early on, uh, you might want to fast forward to the end of the spoiler segment, which I will tell you about right here. Hello, this is Tom Chick from the future telling you if you want to miss the Xenoblade Chronicles spoiler talk, Fast forward for 22 minutes and 30 seconds. Okay, so McMaster, right. now that we're in the spoiler area, so what's going on with you and Xenoblade Chronicles about now? Oh, geez, like all sorts of stuff. You know, I made it to the, the floating city. And Can you say the name of it? Because I, 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 I can't remember the name of it. Uh, you will, you will eventually. So it's either Alchemoth or Alchemoth or uh, Alchemoth. Or s something like that, yeah. I'm never sure, like, what syllables to emphasize, but uh, I'm pretty sure it's Alchemoth. Uh, yeah, so you're at Alchemoth. You've, you've hit the errant sea. Right, and um, I've... I've talked to uh, Valis, or I believe his name is, like Varus, maybe, again. Uh, uh, Alvis. Alvis. <laughs> how how like can a, you forget? His name is like Elvis, but with an A. Alvis. Stupid yes. Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> all these names are coming into my life with these. You know, it's funny. That's right, McMaster, because I remember when Game of Thrones, when I watched it last year, it's just as I was playing Witcher 2, and Witcher 2 does the same thing. In like, yeah. Witcher 2 front loads with so many, like, names. Names and relationships and dynasties and political affiliations. I, I had to stop watching Game of Thrones for a while because there was no way I was going to fit all that in my head. So, yeah, so yeah there's a I, lot uh, of that in Xenoblade. 
I was telling Sarah earlier today, we just got the 360 Witcher 2, I was telling her that um, it came out at like a really good time because it, it is really similar to Game of Thrones, I feel, in its, in its, its treatment yeah. of fantasy. Uh, with all the, like, uh, heady, like, intrigue and all the crazy, you know, background stuff going on. But, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, Alvis, uh, I ran into Alvis and, uh. So Alvis from Xenoblade, not, not Witcher right. or Game of Thrones, right? Right. And he's a, he's a prophet and, uh. Now, now technically he's a seer. A seer, right. Yeah, right. so there's this whole concept in Xenoblade Chronicles, and this fits into the narrative and also the gameplay uh, about having the power to see the future. So at some point, you run into Alvis, uh, who is the official seer for the High Entians, which is a race of people with... How would you describe the High Entians? Uh, silver of hair. <laughs> they also they, have some, they, and they have wings on their heads. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, they do. I guess, don't they? You know, so maybe I'm getting ahead of where you are, McMaster. But this is a little cool detail that it took me a long time to notice. High Entians, uh, you can tell, I think, their age by how big the wings are on their head. Huh. So the 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 longer the ones with big old huge wings hanging out behind them, kind of like you know the losing my religion video size wings. Those <laughs> yeah. are the really old ones. But then you have, like, Malia, who's one of the first ones you meet, and she's just got these tiny little cute wings because she's, not only is she a half-breed, but she's also a very young high-entian. Uh, so that's the right. sort of cool bit in, in the in the, uh, the game game world that they never really explain, but that you eventually pick up on. Um, and, you know, I'm past the part where they have you, of course, locked down, and I'm past the part where you have to go help some guys down by the sea, but the, I'm at the part now where they want me to go to a cave or something for a trial or a tomb Oh, the something. Tomb of the High Entians, yes. So, mm. yeah, that's that's story-wise where I am. Okay. Um, so you've I've been through Frontier Village? Yes. I love Frontier Village. You have, you have Ricky in your party? Yes, Ricky's pretty awesome. Ricky is great. Uh, Ricky's sort of the comic relief, I guess you could say. Uh, yes. It's sort of like every JRPG needs a squat, little, cute, adorable creature, and that's the role that Ricky and the Nopons occupy in, in the world. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're uh, equivalent to those, I guess, those things in um, Final Fantasy, the Koopos things. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, 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 Koopos. Um, and yeah, I, so I've been through there, and I, I actually I, I kind of uh, really like going back through the game because, you know, the, as you've mentioned in some of your articles, they have the Collectopedia, which is mm-hmm. parts that uh, are like it keeps track of um, all the different things you've found, and uh, you can put them into these different categories, and they give you rewards once you fill the category, and. Um, some of them are you just can't really find at first, and some of the quests you really can't complete when you get them initially. So it, it keeps kind of uh, rewarding you to go back and check areas and different places and explore the world, and that's what I've been doing quite a bit of. The collectibles also, McMaster, I've found that in a game that offers fast travel, uh, like Bethesda's games, you know, in Skyrim, yeah. you just fast travel somewhere. But one of the rewards 
And actually, to be fair to Bethesda's games, if you don't fast travel, you'll you'll pick up like a lot of uh, like herbs and stuff and uh, yeah. and ingredients as you're running around the world. You just run along the road and you see flowers and you just run over them and you pick them up as you go. It's like you're it's like you're just a scoop as you travel. Uh, so they do something similar with Xenoblade, where there's just little gl- glowing blue bits yeah. all over the world. So if you want to run somewhere. That's fine, and along the way, your your path will be partly dictated by all these little glowing blue bits that you want to pick up, and those are the collectibles. Uh, so it rewards you to not fast travel and to, to explore and just run around, and there's constantly some blue bit right over there that you just want to run and pick up. It's it's irresistible. It's almost like this Pavlovian reflex. Like you're no, in the absolutely. world, yeah, and you find all those. Uh, it also encourages you to like explore the world, which is pretty cool. Uh, they've done a lot of like really neat looking vistas and little areas you can find, little hidden areas. Um, one uh, one thing I like is that once you get through with Colony Six, go through the mines, is of course you get to build the city, which is very dark cloudish. Yep. Um, and I've built up a few levels. Uh, I actually, I don't think I have special built yet, but I think I have nature one and commerce two and housing one. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I've been looking for like some of the uh, pieces for these <laughs> things, and some of them are just ridiculous. Like I even looked for one online, and one of them was like, you have to go down to old Jacob's uh, rest uh, when it's raining and kill level 17 water nebulas and. Uh, they might drop these things, and I've killed like 15 or 20 of them. I haven't seen anything drop yet. So that's, Some that's, of those McMaster are like the Colony 6 stuff, which is strictly optional. Uh, but, yeah. you you know, you, you come across this ruined city, and uh, you, you liberate it from the McConnest, from the, uh, yeah, the, the McConnest uh, robot occupier evil dudes. And yeah. over the course of the game, you help reconstruct Colony 6. Uh, and part of... What that it, part of that McMaster is gated to your progress in the world. Like a lot of right. times, I, I was really wanting to reconstruct Colony Six, and that that was like my main motivator. And I would get to the point where there was no way I could do it unless I pushed forward into the world and the storyline. Uh, so so you'll run into situations like that right. where where it's you know it's gated by your progress in the in the game. Um, and I, by the way, uh, when I hit the end of the game, when I finished. Uh, yeah. It does this weird thing, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but when you finish uh, Xenoblade Chronicles, it doesn't then dump you back into the world. Like, when you finish Xenoblade oh. Chronicles, you have finished it. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so you can start a new uh, game plus where everything just resets, but your characters are super high level, and it's ridiculous that you're fighting level one creatures in the opening scene, and you're, like, level 82. Well, and- sure, yeah. Uh, and you're going to have to go through a lot of that to replay the game, and it just seems a little tedious. I don't know why anyone would do that. Or you could reload a save. But when you go to the final battle, it's not going to then dump you into this great open world thing. Like, Oh, that's a shame. I, is, I was kind of like expecting that. Uh, it's funny you say that, because uh, that's, that good. that's good. That kind of like makes me uh, prepared for it. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, anything you want to do, when it says, are you sure you want to go to this area, and, you know, it, it's very clear about this is the final battle, are you, are you sure you want right. to see? Like, that's final. Like, it, it's, 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 it's not joking there. You will not get to rebuild any more of Colony 6. You will not get to fight any of those awesome level 100 creatures that you saw stamping around by Honest Plane. Uh, you will not get to improve your relationship with anyone else. Like, that's the end of the game. So, uh, 
yeah, there, by the time I finished, there was so much I felt I had not done. And part of that was uh, finishing Colony 6. Like, I think by the, when I hit the end of the game, I was level 82, um, yeah. Colony 6 was something like, like 60% reconstructed. Uh, huh. so just a Yeah, I'm only one. at like 12 or 13%, I think, maybe, yeah. if that. Um, yeah, no, it's it's funny. So you're 82. Like I'm like level 38, 39 mm-hmm. right now, but mm-hmm. I've done a whole lot of like running around. Like uh, I I like to kind of explore in games like this, and I, I found uh, some. Like, yeah, I got, I got a quest, uh, which the quest in that game. Good God, you get a lot of quests in that freaking game. And uh, it's like to the point where you start to recognize the kind of quest giver it is because like every little area has like a monster killing quest giver and they always have like three or four quests. So it's to the point where I just like go, you know, just tap the A button. Just, right. just get through with it. Just get all the freaking quests. I don't need to hear all the flavor text like for four different monster quests. That 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 kind of irritates me. I wish you could just get everything at once. But anyway. Um and uh you know, you take these quests and I've been wandering around and uh, you know, you finish some some you know, I mean you don't finish unless you're specifically trying to. And uh I found this uh fortress, I guess full of these ignas or something like that. Like lizard people, right? right. Yeah. And I was kind of curious about it, so I go in there. And the uh, first time I tried it, I was about the same level as all the guys in there. And I had a really hard time of it, and it took me forever. And then I ended up dying at the end, and everything reset, and it was irritating. So, uh, well, while I was running around, I guess a couple of days ago, uh, I had forgotten about that place. And I was out looking for materials, and I was like, oh, I'll go in there. So I go in there, kick the hell out of everything in there, of course, when I get back. And uh, there's another quest to go to a, a shrine, something about a shrine to the giants or the key to the giants. And so I've, I've been doing that. And it's it's kind of an interesting little side quest that you kind of get thrown off on. So I don't know if this, uh, like I was stuck on that for a while, and I just want to give you a little bitty hint. Right. I want to remind you of... When you first played uh, Castle Wolfenstein and realized that you could walk along walls hitting the space bar to look for secret doors. Yes, no, I, I actually I found that. How I did you find just, that? Oh, you were such... Had, I, I took me you're talking about like the... Uh, yeah, behind the... Yeah, uh, behind the uh, throne. It, there's a secret me too. door back there. I ran around the entire damn fortress, like probably... I don't know, 30 minutes, just, like, running up every side of it, trying to see if I could climb to the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, like, am I supposed to jump on this rock? Is there right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I finally found it, and I got up to the top, and then the thing that kills me is I, I'm... This is me being impatient. Like, I... I get the quest, which is to go get the giant's mirror or whatever, um, yep. and so I start looking around everywhere, and the quest giver's like, oh, it's not far from here, so... I'm just running through the swamp everywhere. Well, I didn't read. It's it's on the Bionis leg. So, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I wandered through that damn swamp for, like, 15 minutes, killing everything that looked like it might have a mirror. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. That's what you get for not reading. But, uh, but yeah, the, the side quests at first, they seem kind of trivial, but uh, some of them get pretty interesting. Uh, well, they definitely will do, like, the, like you're talking about your giant mirror quest, and some of them are these longer chains that move you around different places in the world. And I'm not entirely sure. You'll, there's a whole separate category of inventory items for what are called, I guess, key yeah. items. Uh, and I did a lot of those longer chain quests that dropped some crazy key item into my inventory that I'm assuming somewhere down the line was supposed to do something 
that again yeah. I never saw because I the game ended when it ended. Uh, yeah, that's like one of the things I thought was pretty cool though is that when you pick something up like that, you have a vision because you can see the future and it says, "Oh, this is important." Which yes. I mean, realistically, I haven't sold anything that isn't extra armor or weapons or whatever because you you keep getting quests where you never know what you're going to get, you know, what they're going to ask you for. Right. And uh, if you keep everything, there's a good chance sometimes that you'll just get a quest and then immediately complete it, which I've done a bunch of times. Yeah, whereas if you do something like sell all of your musky insect jaws, then, right. uh, you, you know, the next area you meet an NPC who needs five musky insect jaws to repair his curtains or something. And you're like, and then, oh. And then what have you done? Yeah. <laughs> Back to farming musky insects. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't sell anything that isn't, uh, you know, I mean, I, I might start selling some of my gems, the, the lower level ones that I've crafted that are pointless. Well, definitely, yeah, you'll definitely want to do that because you'll get to a point where there's no, yeah, you'll, you'll never need to use a level two gem, for instance. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm at that point where I'm starting to get, like, yeah, three level 3 and level 4 are the prevalent ones, so I should just, like, destroy those. Like, making gems is weird. It is weird. Now, have you wrapped your head around that? Is it, uh... Sort of. Like, I understand that, like, you know, certain characters have certain abilities that do certain things that, you know, improve the either overall quality of one gem or, you know, some people do the one that does, like... A whole group of like uh, abilities and everything per gym, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't gotten super into it. Like, I've had a few times where I've I've gotten like a third party encouragement, right? But I'm not really sure exactly how that happens, or if there's like a system I should be paying attention to for that. <laughs> not not for the party encouragement. A lot of that is just a, a byproduct of getting the affinity up between party members. So right. that if if someone if one of the two people crafting gems has a close affinity with another character, the other character has a chance. It's like a critical hit of of uh -huh. having their affinity triggered and giving you some bonus. Um, so basically, it, it's a matter just as. You, as characters in the party like each other more, you'll get these little critical roles as you're, you're crafting. But the choice of which two characters, I think one's called the shooter and one's the engineer. I have no idea what that language refers to. Uh, no. Your, your choice of characters determines how you process the gems. And, and basically right. what you're trying to do is either um, distill the essence from a gem into, I think it's called a canister, which you can then right. later use to make a... a you know, distill the essence from a crystal into a canister that later makes a gem. I think that's the correct terminology. Right. Uh, so, but there's this whole, like, I can't help but play that and think of Breaking Bad. Like, it feels like I'm... Well, yeah, here. It's, it's a little magical. Meth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's not crystal <laughs> meth. It's a magical meth lab kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So you can either cook the gems at a low temperature to distill the essence. You can cook them at a high temperature to push it towards being a powerful gem you can slot. Or you can cook it at a medium temperature temperature to do a little bit of both. So you can either right. focus on one or two crystals at a time, you can load in a whole bunch of crystals and just suck what juice you can out of them. Uh, but yeah, it's really an odd crafting system, isn't it? It really is, yeah. It, it reminds me, uh, I mean, that's another thing that's reminiscent of Dark Cloud as a game that had a really weird crafting system. Uh, but yeah, the, I've been playing with mostly Shulk, Rain, and uh, Sharla, and uh, so I probably, I, I need to go craft some gems because it's been like a little while since I've done it. It'd probably be better this time since they're all like buddies now. 
the, the crafting it reminded me of mainly just for how detailed it was and how it was different from typical crafting, the stuff we are used to in World of Warcraft. It reminded right. me a bit of Vanguard. Because Vanguard has this crazy, like crafting in Vanguard is almost every bit as involved as combat. Uh, and it just had this whole crazy, you even had a separate inventory for your character's crafting skills. Like there would be a whole separate paper doll that would determine your powers in crafting. And then each step had, like each each item had various steps it would go through. And there was all this kind of mini game uh, where you would determine whether you wanted to like polish something or refine it and there were like critical hits and failures uh, it's not quite as involved as vanguard but it it's just something different from the usual crafting system and i loved that about it uh, oh yeah so uh uh you've got uh you why aren't you using ricky more often you mentioned shulk rain and sharla why is poor ricky the the fifth wheel in your party I keep trying to find a place for him because it, it, like, it seems that you know, Rain has such good threat mitigation and a ton of hit points, mm-hmm. and Shulk, Shulk does a lot of damage, uh, at least the way I've got him built at current. And Charlotte, being a healer, it just kind of like it feels like you're almost like handicapping yourself. <laughs> Uh, you will. I, I have to say, McMaster, I hear you say that, and I think, yeah, those were the days. There comes a point in Xenoblade Chronicles where it's never that easy. Like early on in the first part of the game, the first, and yeah. it's about where you are. There's this, yeah, it makes perfect sense. You've got these three characters, and this is the best way to proceed. But eventually, when you get seven characters in your party, you just kind of have to throw your hands up and say, well, you know, any three can be as good as any other three. What do I want to emphasize? Who do I just personally like? Which skills do I want to equip? Uh, it gets incredibly just just open-ended and crazy in terms of who you party with. And, you know, I can see replacing Shulk with another damage character. Like, I mean, Riki strikes me as a damage character, whereas Dunban strikes me as more of a, a tank, but he's also a damage character. Uh, and Riki has really high hit points, so that's kind of a confusing juxtaposition. Uh, uh, Riki's got crazy high hit points, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. Like the first time I saw him, I was like, "Oh God, is he a tank?" But now he has a ton of damage abilities. Yeah. Um, and then you know, um, was her name Malia? Is that right? Yep, Malia. Okay, yeah, she, uh, you know, she, but she's a buffer because like I kind of thought she was going to be a healer at first, and I was like, "Oh, cool, well, like a second healer." But now she's she's more of a buffer. Uh, she I'll, can I'll... be. That's the thing is, you can kit her out a variety of ways. Eventually, she can be either a buffer, a damage, or a, and she can do some minor healing. Never a dedicated healer. Um, but I, I loved how tricky it was to play her. She's the one that I think. Is is you you never want the AI playing Malia because the AI will constantly screw it up and do it wrong and and not get sure, the most yeah. out of Malia. So I ended up playing Malia a lot simply because it was also an, just like the crafting is different and, and unique from other uh, RPGs. I felt like Malia as a mage had this different unique approach, uh, and I really like how she played. Uh, I got a lot of mileage out of Malia. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the character. I actually like all the characters. It just um, it's hard to replace uh, Shulk in a way, just because of the whole Monado thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that that you know really makes it difficult. And I don't really have another tank. I guess I could kit Dunban out some more because I did give him like Shulk's heavy armor ability. That's huge too. Like I found that was a big yeah. shift for me. Is once I started making, once I once I let Shulk, and you can do that with anybody who comes becomes close enough to 
Uh, I think where you are now, it's only Rain who can give you the heavy armor. But later, there's another relationship, I believe, that will give you heavy armor. But I I think you could even get... Could you get Malia in heavy armor? I don't know the answer to that. Um, You might be able to. Yeah. But yeah, lots of options. Uh, It's it's crazy. It's generous. Uh, So, um, all right. So, Xenoblade Chronicles. uh, Is this a game that you think that you would like... Like, could you see yourself spending 120 hours with this? Is this something that you think you'll peter out on? Uh, what's the long-term prognosis for? You know, I'm I'm still pretty fascinated with it. It's a game that um, I have to play in, I guess, shorter bursts because, like, it, it starts to get kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no real end in sight to anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like a, it's always something to do. Uh, yeah. But uh, no, I could see me playing it for quite some time. Uh, I could see Sarah playing it forever. So I'm sure she'll tear it to pieces when I'm done. But uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I hope I would hope that I could make it through it. We'll see. I mean, especially since there's nothing really coming out all that great. I mean, there's a few things, but nothing. Nothing huge on the It's rise. kind of like, yeah, like until Diablo 3 comes out, right. yeah, what else are you going to do? <laughs> right. I mean, Diablo 3, of course, will take up a good amount of time. Um, it's a lot different now than it was last time. Uh, I played it, and I checked it out again the other day, and I keep changing stuff around with that game. Well, all right, so that's, let's end our uh, Xenoblade yes. Chronicles spoiler section. Uh so welcome back. If you missed the Xenoblade Chronicles spoiler section, we will not spoil anything from it now. Uh, you're, you are now safe. Uh, all right, so uh, let's let's get into some news of the week and games of the week, Master. Yes, yes. Why don't we start with boring old news of the week? Sounds good to me. Um, I'll go if you like. Rock and roll. What do you got? Uh, mine's kind of boring. Uh, mine's more boring than yours. Microsoft announcing Halo 4's release date, November 6th. Mine is not quite as boring as yours. Yeah, I know, but it's kind of boring. <laughs> uh, no, I bet. Uh, no, but, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting in the fact that it's three four three uh, industries. Um, I'd like to see what they can do with it. Um, now, how do we know them? Who are they? They uh, they did they're, the they're re- remake. Yeah, right. They they are Microsoft's part. I mean, I think they have some people from Bungie as well, oh, but okay. they're a Microsoft studio uh, that uh, is taking over for Bungie on the Halo franchise because Halo or Bungie doesn't really want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and they're the people that re-released the Combat Evolved. Uh, they did uh, the Halo Waypoint app, uh, but uh, Halo Four will be the first real game, or not real game, but first. Big major standalone AAA franchise flagship title, right? Right, and uh, yeah, we'll be seeing it released on November sixth. Looks like we'll be uh, hearing from Master Chief again. Uh, and is it a prequel? What's going on? I, you know, I don't really know. All right. Uh, well, my news is similar. Actually, it's not so much that Halo Four is coming out; it's how they kind of announced it and promoted it so that they of course had their game informer uh reveal which oh yeah you know that's you can pretty much sleep through those uh then they just on uh tuesday night i believe featured an announcement on conan o'brien 
Wow. Uh, and I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, I watched this thing. You know, they, they sent out a press release. You could watch the clip on YouTube. Uh, I, I, yeah, well, they get what they, if they, you go to Conan O'Brien to, to help announce and promote your, your name, your game, you deserve what you get. They should have just had Jimmy Fallon hold up the box and say polite things. Instead, they have Conan O'Brien come into the studio and basically make fun of them for five minutes. And that yeah, right. was their big halo. And I don't know what they, I mean, it became a joke about moving crates. Uh, so if you go to YouTube, you can see this clip. The idea is they have Frank O'Connor, who's a, a community manager. He's really good at, at getting the message out. That's why they hired him. Uh, they have Conan sitting with Frank O'Connor. And, of course, the folks who do Conan O'Brien's show on TNT are going to cut together the, the segment. Frank right. O'Connor basically gets to say nothing. It's all Conan O'Brien making fun of stuff. And Conan O'Brien, not knowing really a thing about Halo and not really caring what Frank O'Connor tells him, is just making jokes about moving crates and about himself, as Conan O'Brien is wont to do. And I sure. came away from that knowing absolutely nothing about Halo 4. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I like Conan uh, and all that, but uh, yeah, you would get a Jimmy Fallon, you'd think. I mean, that just seems to make sense. That's That's his gig. He well, really the thing is that, yeah, Jimmy Fallon will get out of the way and let some information come out about the game. All that they accomplished with the Conan O'Brien thing, and, and I guess this is mission accomplished, but all they accomplished there was getting Conan O'Brien to say Halo 4 several times. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no real footage from the game, no information about it. We just know that Frank O'Connor, uh, some guy named Frank O'Connor, is working on it. Uh, yes. But it was just it was just a terrible segment, uh, and and I'm like you, McMaster. I think Conan O'Brien's like funny, and I enjoy that sort of geek, self-deprecating humor. But yeah. he's a horrible interviewer, and he just doesn't. <laughs> it, I, oh, it's it's just so I, I don't know what they were thinking. But you know what they were thinking is that they're probably a bigger audience than Jimmy Fallon will get them. So fair enough. Oh yeah, I mean, but yeah, Fallon's at least on a, a grown-up boys network. I mean, yeah, oh snap! That's a personal comment. <laughs> what network is Jimmy Fallon on? I think isn't he on NBC? Oh, holy cats! Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, so like you would think. Uh, well, then wait a minute. His numbers have got to be. I don't. I don't really follow this. His numbers they, aren't bad. But they've got to be better than Conan O'Brien on TNT, or are they? Do we know? I, you know, I don't know for sure, but okay. I would have to think so. And I, and, it, but the thing is, is like Fallon's, of course, he's like late night, you know, so he's, uh, right. he's on at like 1230 Eastern. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's pretty late now. I mean, yeah, but he is on NBC and odds are like, even if you, you know, it's a cable channel versus a, a broadcast channel. Well, and I have to wonder, too, McMaster, if this is an issue where we, we sort of see the limit of what you can tell from Nielsen ratings. What with how many people do things by DVR, uh, how good Conan O'Brien is at getting clips on YouTube that can easily be passed around. I mean, I know NBC does that as well, but maybe the, the Nielsen ratings, of course, they don't tell the whole story. So maybe oh. someone crunching the numbers at Microsoft was like, hey, we're going to do far better reaching our demographic with Conan O'Brien than with Jimmy Fallon, even if maybe the Nielsen ratings favor Falvin, Fa Fallon. Who knows? True. You know, I just I do wonder about the Nielsen ratings, like relevance now, though, uh, with the way 
media is dispersed. Right. I mean, you, I, I don't like you know a lot of television shows. I like I'll 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 buy a season or I'll buy them piece by piece or whatever instead of having to uh, you know I don't know have cable and watch them with commercials or pay for cable. If I want to see something, I'll buy it that way. And I, I don't know how much that's as calculated by Nielsen. But that's hey, great. I could. Oh. It's the digital age, bitches. Yeah, <laughs> eat it. <laughs> All right, so there's our boring news of the week. We both uh, had some boring news about Halo 4. I, I McMaster, could not care less about Halo yeah, 4. Yeah, I mean, like, I like Master Chief, and I'm sure as I get closer to the game's release, it'll be like, yeah, cool, but Halo 3 was incredibly underwhelming. Uh, Halo Reach, like, while I guess a cool game, the story was a mess. I don't really know what was going on there, and ODST had, was baffling. Because of its like open area full of nothing mechanic that was going on. Oh, so, I guess yeah. I, I will say it. Yeah, but mainly I would be curious to see what a studio like three four three four three four three four three. I think it's three four three. Yeah, because yeah, it. Yeah, guilty spark. Ah, right, right, of course. Uh, but I'll be curious to see, you know, since it's not a bungee joint anymore, uh, what they do with it. Uh, so, and also, you're right, McMaster, my, my interest in a Halo game tends to be directly proportionate to the proximity of the release date. <laughs> yeah, oh and, yeah. And that works both ways, too. As we get further from the release date, I'm less interested in playing, and I, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, and that's, uh, I'm, I'm really bad about that, but, uh, yeah, Halo is the, the complete, like that in any modern warfare game, those are the two like complete <laughs> like I'm only interested once we get close to the day it comes out. Otherwise I it's all guns and aliens and explosions. Right? Yeah. It's sort of like if you were to chart it and along the, the X axis you have the date, along the Y axis is my interest level. It's just like a sharp peak where the interest level hits the top on the release date, and then at the same rate falls off from the date afterwards. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Totally. Uh, All right, so uh, let's go to the more interesting games of the week. Uh, You kicked us off with your news of the week. I'll start with games of the week. So I'm actually looking here, McMaster, at a list, and I don't really know what to pick for my game of the week. So I'm going to have you pick my game of the week. So, McMaster, pick a number between 1 and 10. Jesus, that's a lot of games. Well, I, I will, yeah, I just, maybe I'm going to divide your pick by two. Okay, okay. okay. There might okay. be math involved. Um, okay, I'm going to go with uh, four. Okay, so four. All right, so my game of the week is Trials Evolution. Uh, really? Trials, trials? It is Trials. Is, is it the it? Trials people? Trials HD people? Oh, yeah, yeah, so it is. It's the, you know what, I keep thinking because a motorcycle drives along a trail, so you think it's like Trails HD? I'm constantly right, right, up. right, right. But no, it's Trials HD. Which now that I look at that, it's like a, a, a Phoenix Wright game. That's a horrible name. Why did they do that? So yeah, so Trials HD, which I think was from a Flash game, was an Xbox Live release where you just drive a motorcycle. It's very exciting. A, it, yeah, it's a pretty cool game actually. It's I mean, awesome it, yeah. it's super freaking hard. It gets hard fast. It, it definitely yeah. Trials. trails. I'm just, trials. Uh, trials Damn. HD. I'm, it gets really hard really fast. Like, if you just want to faff about and drive a motorcycle, you'll have a few early stages where you can do that. But it gets yeah. to be these crazy physics-based puzzles and, like, trying to figure out the bunny jump stuff to get over oh. gaps later on. It's just it's insane. Um, but what what the beauty of it was how they 
folded in this sort of competitive asynchronous. Uh, you know what? I'm using too many fancy words. <laughs> trying to beat other people's high scores. Like they, yeah. they were so awesome about that, and they put it up oh, there on screen where you could addictive. see the point you needed to reach to beat the point McMaster hit. I mean, it's it's even mm-hmm. better than they did with uh, with Pinball FX2, which is one of the best implementations of that kind of social high score uh, vibe. Trials tra- Trials HD is the one that nailed it first. I feel so. Anyway, yeah. they did Trials HD. Was that two years ago? So just this week, Trials Evolution came out. And I'd sort of been following some of the press releases about it. And I was like, yeah, another one, fine, whatever. I'll give it a shot. Uh, you know, the, the actual gameplay, they can't change much because the whole conceit is you're never steering. You're just accelerating or braking, and you're right. leaning. Uh, it's very simple controls, but it's all about where, quite literally, the rubber meets the road. You know, where are you pushing your weight onto the motorcycle's tires? How much acceler- How much throttle are you applying? Uh, it's very sensitive analog stuff. Um, and it's all physics-based. So you never turn the motorcycle. You're just moving it down a straight kind of 2D path. And what evolution does is it looks, they do a lot more visual tricks to mix that up. You know, the path constantly turns and twists and... Uh, so it's just more of a visual treat. The engine looks great. They put a lot of cool activity and a lot of different settings on the screen. Um, but it's that same gameplay. And what really clinches it for me to make this my game of the week, even though McMaster drew it out of a hat, basically, uh, is it's got a much longer, shallower difficulty curve. Uh, there are like three whole stages that I can easily play, like out of five sort of difficulty levels. The first three are fine for me, uh, and I can go back and try to beat some of my scores on the earlier ones. Uh, at this point, I don't think it's going to be too crazy hard for me to unlock that last stage, even though I'll probably make no progress there. Uh, but in addition, they give you all of these little trick stages and all of these weird little mini-game stages, uh, and that's completely new. But in addition to that, a crazy generous track builder, um, and you can you can uh, look through community-built tracks and download the most popular ones and rate them, and Red Links, the developer, has made several unique tracks that you can download. There's a, there's a Like when you go into that community track collection, one of the first things you see on the game's first day, is a, is a foosball table. And you download it and think, oh, I'm going to drive through a foosball table. No, it's a foosball table. You actually are playing foosball. Uh, the, the engine is that crazy that they made foosball out of it. Uh, <laughs> and where, where the motorcycle physics go, it's just the ball being knocked around. You, you know, it's, it's that there's a shooter in there where you're playing a, a first-person shooter with the sticks. So Trials Evolution is in a way just a motorcycle game, but it's also this crazy flexible engine um, with a really in-depth, detailed scenario builder where people can do these crazy little big planet style levels and, and make them available to each other with scoring challenges. Um, so that's my game of the week, um, and uh, yeah, I'm really digging Trail tra- Trails Evolution. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It'll probably find it if you search for it somewhere. <laughs> Uh, only, only on Xbox 360, though. This is this is uh, one of those Microsoft exclusives. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Charles did really well for them anyway. It eventually came out on Steam, I think, stuff like that. But, oh, is uh, it true? I think so. I oh. thought Charles went. 
You know, what's funny about Trials is it's addictive in the same way that uh, there was this game uh, that came out quite some time ago. It was a Flash game. I think it's on the iPhone now called uh, uh, Stair Dismount. And oh, right, right. Yeah, where you would, yeah, and they had the truck dismount and everything. The stair dismount was the one where you would, you know, push a guy, you know, down the stairs and it would have all the different broken bones and everything. But it was the same, yeah, you know, it had the same kind of feeling to me because it had that whole, like, whenever you would crash in trials, you would go flailing off and ragdoll and just, like, smash into stuff. And, like, the end of every track was, like, a giant incinerator or some horror waiting, you know, to kill your bike rider. And that's the case with uh, with trial trails evolution. Is every you're right? Every track ends with some sort of adding insult to injury. It's not yeah. enough that you are going to plow into a wall. The wall is also going to collapse and dump you into a vat of molten steel. Right. <laughs> so there's this great sort of like every level has a joke at the end, kind of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, those games are really cool. I, I like trials quite a bit. I'll have to check that out. Uh, I also need to call my friends list because some of my friends are crazy good at this, and <laughs> I am never going to. It's so humiliating. It, you know what? It's the same freaking dudes who completely destroy my high scores in SSX are also doing the same thing to my uh, trials trails evolution scores. I see those dudes squatting at the top of every run I do in any kind of like driving racing game. And you know what? I'm not going to be their friends anymore. It's just really frustrating. You you jerks, you're on notice. Start sucking. Yeah, start sucking more if you want to be my friend. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Master, you can stay my friend. I feel like you and I I have a similar sort of uh, limited attention span and can only be so good at any given game. Yeah, that that is pretty true. Um, my game this week is one I think we've actually talked about before in the past, but I have a hard time remembering, and uh, it is The Binding of Isaac. Uh, that's not a game. That's a Sunday school lesson. Yes, yes, <laughs> it's excellent. Yeah, it's uh, the game's a little bit uh, more disturbing than I would say the Sunday school lesson, but that depends on who uh, I guess who you ask and who's seen the game. Uh, but it's by uh, one of the guys that did Super Meat Boy. And uh, have you played Binding of Isaac? You know what? I haven't. And we, uh, I think we had a guest on, and I uh, apologize to our guest for not remembering who it was. But I know yeah. we've talked about it at some point, and I am as oblivious about it now as I was then. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know the thing about it. Uh, I kind of resisted for a while because I had plenty of stuff to play. Uh, but I saw it on sale, and I was like, oh, what the hell. And uh, as many of my game purchases end up being the, oh, what the hell, it's on sale uh, variety. Um, and uh, I got a copy for Sarah as well, since if I get something and she likes it, then I might as well just get it for her anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, you know, a kid's mother goes insane. And uh, listening to the, uh, I guess, uh, Trinity Broadcast Network or whatever Christian channel she's listening to. And uh, she, like, try, she puts uh, Isaac, I guess, through a lot of uh, trials in a way. He takes away all of his toys and takes away, like, he tries to make him, uh, I guess, a better person. And then uh, God requests that she sacrifice him, which, of course, is not like the binding of Isaac. But... Because really, I mean, well, that depends on who you ask, I guess. Because God either said to kill Isaac as a sacrifice, and then he stopped Abraham to test him. or Psych. Uh, 
Yeah, or, yeah, kind of a psych. Yeah, or or he didn't ask for that, and Abraham assumed that he would want that, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, whatever depends on your uh, translation. Well, the, and the Bible story had a happy ending, though. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. This one doesn't really have much of a happy ending. Um, but uh, so she uh, she wants to sacrifice you. You get tied up. You get thrown in the basement, and then uh, while you're down there, uh, you're fighting all sorts of. Uh, grotesque creatures uh but it's it, it's funny it plays like a zelda style dungeon you know how like the dungeons in zelda always had like the entrances or exits on one of the basic you know walls northeast southwest and um if you would get into some rooms there would be monsters there you'd have to kill all the monsters before the doors would unlock again etc it, it works like that except you're actually firing a projectile out of yourself uh, like, actually, it's your tears, uh, initially. But you can get all sorts of, uh, different upgrades, and, uh, you cry at these monsters, and, uh, different horrors, and, uh, there are many bosses, and tons of, uh, things to pick up. But, um, the real pleasure of the game is that it's, it's incredibly hard, but the games are really short. Uh, there's no real continue. You get one shot at it. So, um, so like when you die, it's over, right? And then you can restart. And the whole, you know, there's like maybe five or six levels. I've only gotten through three or four of them. Uh, and I guess uh, the big boss, maybe Mom, is at the end. And uh, you're just trying to get uh, to the end and uh, complete it. So it's almost like a uh, kind of like you know, Demon Souls in a way, where you're you're playing through something over and over again to get better at it. So, so, so you when you die and you start, are you like you keep your abilities or something? Like, is it like no? Yeah. It just completely restarts, and all the abilities are random. So sometimes it kind of sucks because you'll get in there and you'll like uh, each level for the most part has like a, at least one treasure area. And sometimes you get really good treasures. Sometimes you get stuff that's not that great, but you get uh, you know stuff like it, you'll have maybe something floats around behind you and shoots. Uh, whenever you shoot, that kind of thing, uh, barriers, uh, the health, all sorts of different crazy weapons, and um, it's uh, it's it's really kind of addictive because like the I, I I got it and I played it for like half an hour and then I I was like oh that's cool I'm gonna go do something else and then like an hour later I was like I'm gonna go try that again so like I played for a little bit and then like I would go do something else and then like every few like hours or so I'd go and play for a bit again it's just it's one of those things that's easy to pick up easy to put down but uh it's uh it's really intriguing uh, and it's the Super Meat Boy folks you said. Oh, it's one of the guys from Super Meat Boy. Uh, I can't remember his exact name, uh, but uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but it is the uh, from from them. And like the the thing is too is that, like graphically, it's actually kind of a disturbing looking game. <laughs> like uh, it, it's it's almost in the uh, style of God. I don't want to say it's not Meat Boy, but. Um, one of the other games from the first big Newgrounds, one of the first big Newgrounds games. The, uh... Oh, God, the little alien dudes. I don't even know. Hominid? Alien Hominid? Yes, Alien Hominid. Oh. The art style is really similar to that, except bloody and kind of bizarre. So I think Castle Crashers, then. Yes. It actually, that's the thing about it, is like when I saw it, I was like, is this the dudes that did Alien Hominid and Castle Crashers? And I'm like, no, it's. 
one of the guys from E-Boy, but the art style, art style's really similar. But, uh, it's real, uh, real, like, I don't know, advanced, basic art, if, that's, if that makes any sense. And can I play this on my Xbox 360? No, you almost, I believe, could play it on your Wii, and then they, they shot that down. Oh, no kidding. It had a Wii, uh, like, what, was it not approved or something, or? Right, I believe that they were told, uh, that, uh, that they were, you know, gonna get it pushed through, and then, uh, ended up, like, getting yanked at the last minute or something. Uh, that's at least what I've seen. That, that reminds, that makes me think of in Xenoblade Chronicles, how there are a few scenes where, uh, usually a cutscene or something. Somebody dies or gets killed or meets a violent end to, uh, at the hands of a robot, and when the robot attacks the person, blue sparkles fly out of them. Wow! <laughs> like, like there's no blood. Yeah. It's blue sparkles. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's uh. But you know, I I can't imagine that it, it being on the Wii in the first place. I mean, the, it's the company that you know, it, true or not, that we're being. Uh, it's a company that would not really go for anything religious in the first place. You know? Oh, the Isaac angle. I didn't even think of that in the Christian mother. I see. Okay. Right. Yeah. See, it's not even like the gore. I mean, you could you couldn't even say that because a company that puts out like Map World. Well, I mean. Right. Right. You're not going to get much worse than that on the Wii. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, it would have to be that because you know, I mean, what like Final Fantasy had holy magic and it became what white magic or light magic or something like that. Uh, the crosses taking out of like altered beast and all that, of course. And was that just for the U.S. or that was for Japan as well? Do you know? I, don't, I actually don't know. I'm guessing that would be like a hang-up for the, any uh, like a North American release. But uh, yeah, I would imagine okay. that would. So then, this is at this point just a PC game. Binding of Isaac is only for PCs. Right. All right. Can I play it on my iPhone, McMaster? You know, I don't think so, but it would be awesome if you could. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> all right, Binding of Isaac. You know, I, I should probably try this at some point because that's twice I've heard about it and been intrigued and had no idea what's going on. It's it's one of those games that it's like it's hard in a way to describe, but it it it, it the 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 cool thing about it is that it like alt you know it uh randoms the level each time you play, so it's like. It's always uh, at least a little bit different. What? Um, yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, you could get like a really good run, get a really bad one. It's a very challenging game. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that sort of cinches it. Randomized levels. That that that's a sweet spot for me. I like the sound of that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's definitely something different each time. And you know, each game for me is maybe now five to fifteen minutes. So yeah. <laughs> All right, so then here's one thing I need to know. Is the main character's name actually Isaac? Yes. Good. Okay. I, I'm going to give you a quiz, McMaster. You ready for this? Yes. I'm going to give you three character names, and I want you to tell me what games they're from. All right, I'll try. Now, if you get if you get caught, if you get hung up, I can give you three game names, and you just match the game to the character. All right. All right. But I'm going to give you the names first. We'll see what you can do. Ready? All right. All right. Gomez, Parasol, and Gerald. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're not I, the same game. They're from three separate games. Uh, they were both potentially my Game of the Week list. All three, I mean. All three of these were potentially three characters from three separate games. All three separate games 
could have been my game of the week if you had picked a different number. Oh, good lord. So Gomez, Parasol, and Gerald. Okay, well, I know where Gerald comes from. Wait a minute. No, you don't, because I'm saying yes. it wrong. I know you're saying it wrong, but you always say it wrong, so I know exactly where Gerald comes from. All right, so you got you got that one. Say it just the so we know. Sure. All right, so Witcher that's two. one point for you. You've got two points to go. Witcher uh, 2 is, of course, Geralt, but it looks like Gerald if you uh, do it a certain way. So Gomez and Parasol. Jeez. I'm trying to think of what else came out this week. And you know what? I'm saying Parasol's name wrong, too. It's technically Parasol. Oh, um... God, I shouldn't... Uh, I have no idea. Okay, I'll give you some hints. Gomez right. is famous for the his for an eponymous hat. Eponymous <laughs> <laughs> hat? All yep. right. Did do anything for you? Oh, uh, is this a Professor Layton thing? No, no. Uh, I can't imagine. Are there any Hispanic names in Professor Layton? I don't know. No, no probably oh. not. So, uh, so the game is named after a hat that Gomez wears. Oh, wow. Uh, I really don't know. The, I hat, the hat is something that say uh, that might be worn by a, a bay. Does that do anything? That, you know what I'm getting? That's like a crossword puzzle clue. That, that so <laughs> the hat, like imagine a hat a Shriner would wear. Do you know what kind of hat Shriner Oh. God, like a fez. Oh, oh, oh. Is oh, oh, fez. Okay, yeah, fez. Right, All right, right, very good. So you've got two points. Your third point now, you have to figure out what parasol is from. I don't think you'll get this one. It's kind of obscure. Uh, I can give you other names from the game, but uh, you know what? I'm gonna. You've you've beat. You've won by getting two out of three. So uh-huh. parasol is from a game called Skull Girls. Um, I was kind of gonna guess that, and I was like, surely not. I don't. Uh, no, right not. now, can you guess what kind of weapon parasol? Oops, I mean parasol. We oh, a shovel. No, come on, you're master. <laughs> Is it an umbrella? <laughs> Very good. Uh, so, so yeah, parasol. She's like a commando chick, and her powers in the game are. She can, like, throw these little mines, uh, which is like a kind of an area denial mechanic, or she can call in uh, friendly soldiers. Uh, but her weapon is an umbrella that, I don't know, it shoots and smack people with it. So she's parasol. Um, so Skullgirls, you're you're kind of a, I think, Fighter, you're yeah. kind of a fighting game dilettante like me. Like, you... you like you I do, play them all, and I, I I'm I'm okay at some of them. Like I'm not great. I can you know I can usually do all right, but yeah, I'm not like super great at them. No. Would, if you were to like say, okay, McMaster, we're banishing you to a desert island. You're gonna have a gaming system, and you're gonna have a good fight stick, uh, and you're gonna have a buddy there. You know, maybe me or Sarah, or someone you could play your fighting games with on this desert island. However, the cargo ship only has room. For one fighting game. Oh man! What, what are you gonna bring? <laughs> oh geez, that actually is kind of a tough one. And this is just to sort of you can single out like how much of a, and what type of fighting game fan someone is by how they answer this question. So I'm just curious. Oh, geez, like I'll tell you, there's a couple that tempt me. One of them is the new Mortal Kombat. Um, ah, you're one of those. Yeah. Well, and the only reason I say that is because it's got a lot of content. Yes, yes, a lot of single player stuff and a lot of yeah. lockables and yep, yep. 
Um, okay, well, having said straight... that, Master, hold your hold that thought because I just want right. to I'll address these as you bring them up. Uh, that's something hugely missing in Skullgirls. Oh yeah. Uh, there's no, there's pretty much no single player unlockable stuff or content. I mean, two of the characters are locked for the uh, story mode, I think. Um, but it's just arcade mode where you just set up a fight against someone, and the story mode was just a series of fights up to a boss. Uh, but there's no unlockables. There, there's no collectible stuff. There's no, like, Mortal Kombat had all these cool trials that would apply some little global tweak on how the fight worked. There's none of that in Skullgirls. Uh, so Skullgirls definitely pales in comparison to some of the cool stuff that you find in games like the latest Mortal Kombat. Uh, okay, so that's one you would consider. What, what else would you consider before you make your final decision? Uh, you know, I guess just from straight gameplay, uh, <laughs> my favorite is probably Street Fighter Four. You are one of those. Dad gummit, wow. Because Street uh, Fighter Four eludes, I mean, it's so, isn't it? Like, couldn't you say that it's so technical? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like I had a, it's not me, but I actually you met him as a friend of mine, Brian. He was, he's like really good at those games. Right. Uh, and like I would play with him, and now he, you know, if he was trying, I mean, ninety nine percent of the time, I'm sure he'd beat me. Uh, like if he wasn't just messing around. But like uh, I learned a lot of stuff about it, and I played a lot online uh, at the time I was doing that, and it, and it's like a lot of fun. But I had to stop because of my blood pressure. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just like the most infuriating games to play because uh, you know you can lose in so many horrifically horrible ways. Well, what Skullgirls has in common with Street Fighter 4, or just, I guess, Street Fighter in general, is there are six attack buttons. You know, there are three punches and there are three kicks. Uh, and I've always oh, felt, as a, as a fan of Marvel vs. Capcom 3, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've always felt you only need two of each attack. Why do you need three punches and three kicks? Just have two punches and two kicks. That's more than any rational person really needs. And no, you're right. Uh, you just get used to it, I guess. Yeah, you know, because the so many games did that. Now right. I do like two buttons for punch and two for kick based on controllers, because like you know I have a uh, I have a fight stick. I love the fight stick. It's really fun, uh, really cool. Uh, I have a uh, a hoary stick, and uh, I, I love that damn thing. But the cable on it's really short, and uh, that nobody really makes a really good wireless one. Uh, so like. Um, you know, I, I don't always want to hook it up, but like if I'm playing something like Marvel vs. Capcom, etc., and I'm using a controller, at least I have the option of you know the uh, A B X Y are all, all the buttons I need uh, for the most part because I, I hate pulling that trigger; it just kind of throws your rhythm off. Oh, that's how the six button things play on a controller? Because I use I use yeah. a fight stick, but on a controller you pull a trigger. Yeah, see, like Ugh. they can. Yeah, I know it's awful. You can uh, map them to uh, triggers or bumpers a lot. Of oh, I time. guess that's right. Like it's not like you have it. You you could set it up however you want, but you're going to need three buttons for each attack, so you're going to have to resort to a trigger or shoulder button, right? Right, and a lot of times, of course, they'll also let you um, like uh, rig like three buttons to one trigger. You know, so like you can do your like Zangief, ridiculous spins and stuff like that, a little bit easier than having to hit all three buttons, or two buttons and a trigger at the same time. But, um, well, you're definitely way harder core than me, then. So, uh, Well, but I don't play that much. Like, I haven't played in a while. Uh, I kind of want the new Marvel vs. Capcom, but I'm really sick of the whole Capcom gotcha technique of I bought your damn game already. 
can't I just have like a DLC or something? Uh, but uh, and they make great. I I really want to play Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Uh, that looks really fun to me. I, I haven't played it yet. But, technical, uh, technical, technical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So technical. I was like, oh god, <laughs> that game puts me to sleep. Yeah, you know, Street Fighter 2. I mean, I definitely am a, I'm such, I, I have a cutoff, I have a real early cutoff point for how technical a game can be before it completely loses me. So I respect that people can dig that cross Tekken Street Fighter oh, yeah. thing. But that's just, that's stuff I just write off as over my head. Uh, that's beyond my capacity. Well, it's, it's like when it comes to gameplay, I, I don't like a lot of different ones. Like the big thing for me with the Mortal Kombat stuff, and you hit it right on the head actually, is that I like unlocking stuff. That's the fun part of a game to me. And I don't think Capcom has really captured that in their fighting games, which I think is weird as hell. Because, like, Lost Planet is, like, collectible city. Lost Planet 2 is. And all those games are. Except for now, they're fighting games. They don't have any sort of, like, unlock stuff going on. They don't have it. You know, it's like... So when they... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, when when they released Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on right. Xbox 360 Live Arcade, I bought it because I was excited. Because I remember when it came out originally, you got to unlock all the extraneous extra characters by beating it with certain teams and doing cool stuff. And they were all already unlocked, and that's just ridiculous. Uh, I do want to say, though, the uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 ended up getting, and I don't know if this is for Ultimate or the core one, it might just be for Ultimate, I forget, but, but they have some DLC called... Oh, dead gummit. It had some really weird name like Heroes versus Paragons or Par- <laughs> Paragons versus Renegade. That's Mass Effect. It, anyway, it had some like so and so versus. It, w- it was add on. It was a free downloadable add on that gave you a kind of a campaign mode where you were unlocking and slotting cards that would modify the characters. Yes. And it wasn't in the core game, but it added this whole new collectible campaign to Marvel vs. Capcom 3 that. That I feel is, a, is a, it very much like Mortal Kombat in that it, it modifies how the fights play and it gives you a lot of content to unlock. Uh, and yeah, and you go what because they did like this is something that, that really I, sucks because that's awesome. I would yeah. love to play with that. Yeah. Yep. Well, it, it to me it single handedly like breathed it, it breathed new life into the the way the game was laid out and presented, uh, and I love that. Um, but oh, so yeah. that's that's a thing missing in Skullgirls is there's nothing like that in Skullgirls. Uh, even though I really like the the character design in Skullgirls and I like the the presentation. Um, and from what I can tell, I like the gameplay, but it's one of those games that was obviously made by and for people who already know how to play it. There is no introduction whatsoever in the game to how the characters play or what they do or what distinguishes one character from another, which is a damn shame because the eight fighting, the eight characters that ship with the game are really distinct and you would never know that from anything the game tells you. Instead, and that's even from playing the tutorial, by the way. You play the tutorial, it tells you nothing about the cool stuff the characters does. Instead, you get an Earl. Like, when you go into, I think, training during, it's like on the loading screen, or it's like where you're picking your yeah. character, it tells you, yeah, it says, go to www.scoldrunners.com slash game slash guide. And when you go there, you can download, not even from their own hosting service, from a public hosting service, you can download a, a big old PDF 
which is so full of like color and layers and stuff, it won't run on my little notebook computer. It's like it's just a big clotted, bloated PDF, which consists of nine pages. An introduction page. Moves and shit, yeah. And it's just one page for each character that only yeah. shows their basic moves, though. It only, it shows their, their, their special attacks, and then their, it, it uh, the basic gameplay is very similar to Marvel vs. Capcom, in that you build up five, uh, levels of boost juice, or whatever you want to call it. And then you unlock either, you do a special move that eats one level, or a super special move that eats three levels. That's mostly how it works. So each page for each character just gives you their, uh, like maybe five special attacks, and then their, their three or four super moves. Um, it doesn't give you, it just gives you the control input and a little bit of a description about what it does. There's no commentary about like which characters are stronger or faster than others. There's no, you know, there's a lot of stuff about hit frame data and hit stun and block stun. None of that's in there. And I guess I am used to kind of reading about that in the strategy guide I bought for Marvel vs. Capcom 3. But none of that information is available anywhere, as far as I can tell, in Skullgirls. Which, you know, I want to like this game. I want to play these characters. And, and as a new guy for me, you know, as a new player, I want to know, okay, who's the really fast, nimble one? Who is the slow powerhouse with a lot of hit points? I don't get any of that information. They don't give it to you because they already know how to play, and they couldn't care less if new players know how to play. I hate that. Um, it's uh, who made that? It, isn't this from somebody that's like done this before? And this like a new franchise? Yes, from, it's a new uh, franchise, and it's some fellows who I believe were competitive fighting game players, maybe from another studio. And I, I uh, want to say their studio's name is it's something like Revenge, but with it like Revenge Studios. I'm screwing. I don't know, but it's definitely a new developer. But but it's people who are acquainted with fighting games already. Uh, and and the, the look, by the way, reminds me a lot of Blaze Blue with that same wow. sort of like whimsy and the unique look and gameplay mechanic for each character. Uh, and Blaze Blue, by the way, it, it exhaust Blaze Blue is full of like exhaustive documentation and different ways to play. Um, Blaze Blue also has like you know sixteen characters, and it kind of like my head just sort of swells and explodes before too long when I try to play Blaze Blue. Skullgirls yeah. just seems much more manageable because it's kind of new and they're focusing only on. A handful of characters, uh, so I really want to like it and I want to play it and I want to learn it, but there's just no mechanic for that in the actual game. Which, you know, since you've got your Wii out, if you haven't, you should totally try uh, Tetsunoko versus Capcom. What? If you like Marvel versus Capcom, Tetsunoko versus Capcom is kind of the same deal. Tetsunoko is, isn't that that Japanese movie about a guy that turns into a robot? Um. No, uh, isn't that Tetsuo or something? I, I don't know. That's what, what you is, just said, Tetsuo versus Capcom. That's what you just said to me. No, Tetsunoku. Right, the guy who turns into a robot in that Japanese movie, Tetsunoku. Yeah, actually, you know, it might even be that, because, like, they do have a... They, there's a bunch of characters. It's They're a lot more popular in Japan. Like, you know, there's, like, Ken the Eagle. You know, I actually think you see him in maybe some of the Super Smash Brothers stuff. And uh, June the Swan and stuff. But you've got your standard Capcom characters, plus a few weird ones. Like, you can play Frank West. Uh, you can play as a beautiful Joe. Um, well, I can do that in, Cap- in Cap- Marvel vs. Capcom 3 Ultimate. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but wait, but so can you be on- Joe the Condor? Whoever that mm-hmm. is. I cannot. I, I would have to roleplay that. 
using one of the yes. other characters. Uh, so this is on the Wii. That can't. It, does it have some fancy? Do you hold the 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 Wii mote sideways? Like ha- there's not enough buttons there to play a fighting game. Um, cl- the classic remote. Uh-huh. Like I, I can't. You know, like I almost wanted to get the stick for the Wii. Like they released one for the Tatsunoko versus Capcom like official wireless Wii mote. Which of course means you have to like stick a Wiimote into it somewhere probably because that's like how all the damn Wii stuff works. But um, uh, yeah, they uh, released that, and uh, I almost did that. But you know, the actual the it, it's one of those like four button ones like Marvel versus Capcom. So uh, it's totally it, it's a tag team thing like Marvel versus Capcom. It was what they used actually in tournaments uh, before the new Marvel versus Capcom when they would do Street Fighter tournaments and stuff. Right. They would also have Tatsunoko uh, as well. Um, it has like this weird thing where you can choose one giant character to play as instead of a team. Oh, well, uh, Skullgirls does that. That's a great oh, idea. Yeah, like in Capcom, Marvel's Capcom, you have to choose three characters. But right. it sounds like this is from Tetsuo versus Capcom. In Skullgirls, you can either pick one, two, or three characters, and the number you pick, then you, it sounds like you divide the amount of health you get amongst those three characters. So if you take one character, oh, huh. she's got all the hit points. If you take three characters, then the hit points are divided evenly amongst the three of them. And I say evenly. I don't know if some of them are tougher than others. I don't know that. Um, well, I mean that's yeah. I mean that's actually cooler than what they do there, which is just like there's like two giant characters you can play as. That's the only thing. Oh, now. they take up additional slots, basically. Right? Yeah, they're they're like one of them's like a giant mech like thing, and uh, I think the other one is too. I can't remember exactly, but uh, yeah, it's got a bunch of like uh, weirdly, it's got right Ryu, Chun Li, and like Alex, but they've also got uh, like a bunch of Mega Man. Stuff is in this one, and Morrigan from Darkstalkers, but whatever. She's um, the one who's always falling out of her top. But right, I yeah, she's to the, the, the top. like the succubus vampire girl. Right. Um, yeah, I miss Darkstalkers. It was a good game, but uh, but yeah, no, you should try that. They, uh, it's uh, very much Marvel versus Capcom, but uh, you know, only if you feel like getting crazy with the Wii. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I would have to. T- I I. I would have to turn my Wii back on. I feel like now that I've played Xenoblade Chronicles, my Wii can go to sleep now for, uh, I guess, when yeah, is going to wake no. up? Maybe another Mario game coming out? Uh, who knows? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't even care anymore. Of them. Well, <laughs> there's one last thing I have to ask about since you mentioned Gerald. How do you feel about the 360 version of Witcher 2? Uh, I have installed the discs to my 360's hard drive, and that's about it. So I feel that how I feel about it is 14 gigabytes. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, it's big. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. Is it like it's not a bad looking game, and they've been doing a lot of talking about how it's one of the best looking 360 games. It's it's a good looking game, but it does not look even remotely as good as it does on the PC. Oh well, yeah, it's we I mean, us PC owners know remotely. I mean, like it, it's uh, it's pretty shocking how different. Uh, but uh, I watched Sarah play through the new intro, uh, so she doesn't get the pain that we had of like getting set on fire by dragons and not understanding what the hell's going on. Uh, like the original release. No, no, they get a whole friendly arena and everything you get to play around in. Oh, that's very sweet. Yeah, it's like they completely redid the intro, and then all of a sudden you're getting beat up, and you're talking to Roche. So it's a, uh, but it's a, uh, it's already bugged out once, 
So I've got that going for it. And when you but, say bugged out, what, it, did it crash or something, or what do you mean? Well, yeah, well, during the arena for training, it kept telling Sarah to equip bombs and throw a bomb at a guy. Okay. And I kept going, okay, hit the button to throw it. And she was like, it's not doing anything. I was like, oh, worry, give it to me. So I'm like, the mayor, yeah. No, it was doing nothing. Like, the only buttons that worked was the dodge button. So for about 45 seconds, I just ran in a circle. This dude tried to beat me with a stick, and I'm trying to throw a bomb at him. And it just was rolling hither and tither. And it ended up having to reset it. But after that, it worked fine. Um, now, I don't think CD Projekt, if I'm not mistaken, isn't this their first foray onto uh, console systems? Yes. Okay. Yeah, this is their uh, their first go, uh, and good luck to them, because Witcher 2 is an awesome, awesome game. I, I'm interested in seeing what they did uh, for the extra content. Um, now, you've got I, your hands full with RPGs, though. Oh, yeah, no, I got that mostly okay. for her, uh, okay. so she didn't get to experience the the witching and the, all the mature themes. Right. Yeah, that you should warn her. There's there's nudity and uh, some sexuality and and pervasive language. A lot of uh, a lot of plowing this and plowing that. And the, uh, like agriculture, you mean? Yeah, there's a lot of agriculture. We'll put it that way. And uh, scoyatel everywhere. Those bastards. Lots of agriculture and tracts of land. Yes, large tracts of land. Uh, all right, so there's a bunch of games of the week uh, folks can choose from. And, yeah, it's, it's pretty uh, until Diablo comes out, uh, which, you know what, that's just, what is that, three weeks off? Yeah, it's uh, less than a month. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're closing in on the, the Lord of Darkness showing up again. All right, so uh, everyone get your gaming done quickly. Be sure to yeah. clear out time because uh, you're going to be playing Diablo 3 soon. So, all right. Uh, next week, before actually I, I tell you about next week's guest, uh, just a, a quick, a, a brief somber note. Um, quarter to three, we've been around for, I think, 12 years or so. Uh, and last weekend, we lost one of our members. A fellow named Brian Rucker uh, seems to have died of what, what was apparently some sort of heart failure or embolism. We're not clear about w- what happened. Um, but we all miss Brian. He, we lost him this past weekend. Um, we're all the poorer for it. He was a sort of well-rounded person that any community would be fortunate to have, and we certainly were, uh, and that anyone would be privileged to consider him a friend. Uh, Brian was one of these like really whip-smart, incredibly passionate people, and he cared a lot about, about video games and science fiction. Uh, I distinctly remember hearing him talk about uh, Star Wars Galaxies, um, I used to ask him, hey, why don't you write up some stuff for the front page about galaxies? And he was always, he never didn't want to do it, but I think he was always a little too modest to do it. But after I asked him that, he would occasionally PM me stories about what he was doing in Star Wars Galaxies. Uh, and that game, of course, a lot of people hated it. A lot of people took issue with what the d- designer, Raph Koster, tried to do with it, which was some cool, bold stuff which might not have worked from a gameplay perspective, but in terms of driving a player community to interact with each other, there were a lot of neat ideas there. And Brian was someone who liked to play MMOs uh, as a role-playing experience, which a lot of us poo-poo, and you know, a lot of us just like the dynamics and the mechanics of MMOs, but Brian was really invested in living in these 
these kind of virtual worlds, and he loved the stuff that the, that made Star Wars Galaxies unique, like the player-driven economy and the housing and the guild stuff and the faction wars. And he would send me these stories about what he was doing uh, and how the game was going and what things he liked and didn't like. Um, and I vividly remember before Star, Star Trek Online came out uh, some of the hopes he had for that game. And they had this cool idea about exploring new sectors and um, finding planets and naming them. Uh, and that stuff just lit Brian's imagination on fire. And even though it didn't quite live up to it, uh, I know he, he really liked that game as well. Uh, but one of the things that really struck me about Brian is that unlike a lot of people who are really passionate about video games... Uh, and I don't mean this as an insult to anyone, by the way, who's passionate about video games. People like me and McMaster certainly feel this way. I don't mean to insult anyone, but a lot of people who are passionate about video games kind of use it as a way to retreat or be less invested in, in the real world. Um, Mm-hmm. And that's fine because all of us want our entertainment and all of us want our diversions. But what struck me about Brian is that for a guy so invested in these worlds, um, he was also so deeply invested in the real world. You know, his passion for video game worlds wasn't any kind of retreat from the real world. Uh, uh, Brian would, the same day that he would send me these stories about his guild and Star Wars Galaxies, he would post about participating in online chats with journalists uh, or, or Virginia politicians. Like he, was, he really cared about politics. Uh, he was just as likely to talk about an MMO as he was to talk about like what the neoconservatives have been doing or, or what was up with the religious right. Um, he, he was as equally passionate about the real world as he was about virtual worlds, and that, that made him special. Um, but perhaps most importantly about Brian... He was such a kind, good-natured person. Uh, unlike a lot of folks, and I certainly include myself in this category, unlike a lot of folks with strongly held opinions, Brian was devoid of the slightest trace of arrogance. I, I, don't, I don't think I ever saw him condescend to anyone, no matter how much it might have looked like they deserved it. Uh, he, he was patient, he was kind, and he was the kind of guy who just made the community what it is. Uh, so, Brian... We miss you. Uh, next week, join us for a, a quarter to three games podcast with Kevin Perry, who uh, used to be, a, you know, he still is a forum member. He used to be one of us. But Kevin Perry has gone over to the dark side. Kevin Perry is a producer at Microsoft. Oh, I know. I know. The darkest. The darkest of the dark sides. Uh, he's working, however, on a game that I wasn't really fond of when it came out, uh, but he's been really interactive with the community, talking about a lot of the changes with Age of Empires Online. So he's going to join us next week. He's going to tell us a little bit about that and what they're doing. Uh, they have just announced some big changes, which you can read about, and he'll tell us some more about those. Uh, and hopefully he'll also tell us about his news of the week and uh, his game of the week. So uh, I am Tom Chick. I have been joined by Mr. Jason Van McMaster. Please remember, if you would like to use our existential knock-knock jokes, feel free, uh, but don't forget to credit us. Unless, of course, you're a Troy Goodfellow because today is his birthday, and I'll allow him one free one. That's right, Troy Goodfellow. You may, yeah, that's right. You may use our material as your own. That is our birthday gift to you. Happy birthday. So Troy Goodfellow, I think he turned... Uh, uh, 70, uh, 71, right? <laughs> Very good.
Spend my days with a woman unkind. Smoke my stuff and drink all my wine. Made up my mind, make a new start. Going to California with an aching in my heart. Someone told me there's a girl out there with love in her eyes and flowers in her hair. Myself, it's not as hard, hard, hard as it seems. 